Hello, you're listening to Search for Truth, your Christian Bible study program with your Bible teacher, Brian Johnston. Thanks for tuning in. It's great that we can share the scriptures together. It's study number three in our four-part series today called Pictures of Salvation, and this time it's all about another rather long Bible word. Having looked into redemption in the first talk, last week it was justification. Brian now turns to the word propitiation. We'll be dipping into the New Testament book of Romans and later into the first letter of John if you want to have your Bible ready to follow the reading. It'll be Romans 3 verses 24 and 25 first. But let's go to Brian now as he looks into the Bible theme of propitiation. As we begin today, I invite you to take a look with me at Paul's New Testament letter which he wrote to his friends at Rome. We've looked at it twice before in this series, and I make no apology for picking it up again. For the four pictures of salvation, which are the theme of this series of studies, can all be found well documented in the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans. So, as I say, let's look at Romans and chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. After telling us that we've all sinned, the Spirit of God, through Paul, continues with the good news of salvation, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed. There are three descriptions of the cross work of Jesus there. The work Jesus Christ, the Son of God, performed when he died on a Roman cross just outside the city of Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago. What took place there is first of all viewed as redemption. And that, you'll remember, was the subject of our very first talk in this series. It's a commercial term drawn from the marketplace, where in the society of those days, humans as well as other goods, were bought and sold. We understood redemption as the idea of someone being bought out of the slave market and being given their freedom. One picture of our salvation as being from the slavery of sin. Another way in which the cross was viewed in those two verses we've just read was as a demonstration. A demonstration of what, you ask? A demonstration of God's justice. Previously, Paul explains, God had in his forbearance passed over sins. But the cross stands for all time to make it absolutely clear that God never at any time had the intention of ignoring them, far less condoning them. The cross was planned in advance as the demonstration of God's justice. The language at this point is legal language, of course, borrowed from the law court, and we spent time on that picture of salvation in our previous study. Today, we are going to be occupied with the third view of the cross that's found within the span of those two verses, verses 24 and 25 of Romans chapter 3. The third view of the cross is contained in the description of what happened there as being a propitiation. This is an important Bible word, but one that perhaps needs even more by way of explanation than the others. If the word redemption was a word that was then in use in the marketplaces, and if the word justification would have been encountered in the law courts, 
then the word propitiation would have been commonly used in the pagan temples of that time. In that setting, it meant to placate or to appease the angry gods which the pagans acknowledged. At first, we might think there can be no connection between this idea of turning away anger and the biblical teaching of Christianity. After all, the living and true God, who's our creator, is presented to us in the pages of the Bible as being an unchanging God, certainly not fickle and petty-minded, which was how the pagans viewed their gods, who were always needing to be placated. But let's take a closer look. In these verses in Romans chapters 1, 2 and 3, Paul's describing God's solution for the human predicament, which is not only sin, but God's wrath upon sin. Perhaps today, the idea of an angry God is considered less than a Christian point of view. But if our property is defaced, or our loved ones come under an unprovoked attack, we would expect to feel righteous indignation against the wrong done to us. It's what we then do with that anger that can involve sinful behaviour. God's righteous anger is never uncontrolled. So we're going to have to identify exactly how this term propitiation is different within a Christian understanding. The reason why it's necessary, and the one who initiates it, and even the means by which it's performed are all radically different within Christianity compared with the way in which propitiation was understood in pagan temples and the background customs of New Testament times. Remember, by propitiation we mean the turning away of God's anger. Among the pagans, the need for propitiation arose because they understood the gods to be angry, simply because they were a bad-tempered bunch, always subject to mood swings. The Christian explanation of the need for turning away God's anger could not be more different. God's anger, or wrath, is his consistent antagonism against sin, his hatred of anything that's morally evil. God's holy nature cannot accommodate any wrongdoing. It remains hostile to anything which misses the mark of his glorious perfection. Next, we think of how the pagans assumed that only they could appease their gods. After all, it was they who had somehow offended them. In the Christian setting, however, the Bible plainly teaches us that we cannot appease God's righteous anger. Nothing we can do can make ourselves acceptable to God. But it goes on to tell us that God has done what we couldn't do. This is how the Apostle John puts it. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. What we couldn't do, God has done. It's what the cross was all about. At least, it's one of the three views of it, that we began by talking about today. At the cross, God's anger was turned away from us and directed at himself in the person of his Son, Jesus Christ. We've got to be very clear about the fact that both the initiative and the action of this propitiation lay with God. 
Then there's the means by which propitiation was made. The pagans bribed their gods with various sweetmeats. This was very different from the sacrificial system we read about in the Old Testament, because even in it, the people were made to understand they were giving back to God from what he had given to them in the first place. Listen to how a verse in Leviticus made that clear. It's chapter 17 and verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. In the New Testament, it's even clearer that the work of salvation and the means by which God's wrath is turned away from us is not our own doing, but is all of God's grace. We return to our opening text from Romans chapter 3. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed. So there we have it, a third biblical picture of salvation. In contrast with the previous two we've looked at, where the word concerned, be it redemption or justification, had an agreed meaning which could simply be applied to Christian teaching, we've seen that the language of the temple shrines, in particular this word propitiation, had to be redefined. In closing, it's worth noting that Paul addressed this letter to Christian believers, calling them saints, in other words, those who had been sanctified. This terminology was also one that had a background in the pagan Greek religions. There, it meant devoted to the gods. For example, if a Greek worshipper brought a gift to his god, he devoted it to that god, the gift became holy in that sense. No thought of purity in the word, but only the idea of being set apart from common use so as to be devoted to the gods. Paul can biblically describe every Christian believer as a saint in the sense that the Holy Spirit has taken each believing sinner and set him or her apart for God by placing them in Christ. What's more, Corresponding to that, there's to be a practical holiness or sanctification, something that's increasingly seen in the purity of the believer's life for the Lord Jesus. There again, we have to part company with the pagan background of the word, for in the Greek thought of holiness, there was no sense of morality, for the pagan religions of that time were in fact rather immoral. God's thoughts are indeed much higher than our own.
So, can I check with you again, please? Have you believed the Bible's good news message? Do you know forgiveness by the virtue of Christ's blood, as our hymn says? All our talks are available online or as a transcript book to help in further study. And if you miss a programme, you can catch up. So here's how to get the transcript book. If you want to, you can get it yourself by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. You could then print your own copy from your computer. But if you're not able to do that and need to request a hard copy book, just write in and ask for pictures of salvation. You can use email or the post. And here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wooden Bassett, Swindon SN48 DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now you might be interested to know that most titles of Search Truth transcript books have been turned into ebooks and are available at amazon.co.uk forward slash kindle hyphen ebooks. And when you're in the Kindle store, just type search for truth Brian Johnston into the field and you'll find them. Many can also be ordered as a conventional print book from Amazon Bookstore or from our own bookstore at www.hayspress.org. And when you're in that website, use Explore Our Shop. So, time's almost gone, but it's been a pleasure to share and study the scriptures with you. And I hope you'll join us next week. And Brian will be looking into our final picture of salvation and another long word, which is an outcome of the good news message. It's the word reconciliation. So, I look forward to your company next time. But till then, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our producer, David, our singers, and me, John. So see you again soon, and may God richly bless you.